The Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. Those are hard words. You know, I think sometimes when we, we go through the scriptures, don't we, we, we kind of have in our minds this image, rightfully so, of our loving Father who cares about us, desires our good, and all that's true. And then we have these passages from Isaiah where the author is saying that God was pleased to crush him in infirmity. Well, who are we speaking about here? In the prophet Isaiah, he's speaking about Israel, God's chosen people in general, personified as, as one person, often referred to in this passage of Isaiah as the suffering servant, because it, it kind of personifies Israel as, as a beloved son who nonetheless is allowed to be punished, even crushed. But then, of course, prefiguring the New Testament, it also refers to Jesus Christ, the beloved Son of the Father, literally the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. And we have this just shocking language, really, to say that the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. Just the idea that would God allow his Son to be crushed in infirmity seems almost a, a contradiction in our minds as to a, a loving father. And yet Isaiah even says, not, not only did God allow his son to be crushed in infirmity, he was pleased. Well, there we need to stop and realize the, the language that is used there. Pleased, not meaning that God is, is happy with, with anyone suffering. God isn't even happy when his, his enemies, so to speak, suffer. Pleased meaning that God permitted it, that sort of thing. It made please the court, you know, may the court allow, that sort of thing. So nonetheless, even if we soften the language a little bit, it's still pretty in your face that God permits, allows great suffering. It comes to us rather hard in our, our lectionary this weekend, and maybe it's as we turn into these darker days of the, the year almost, as we, I got up this morning and pretty quick, I'm like, where'd the sun go? It's pretty dark when I, I get up. I, I had to get out my little sun lamp and put it there and stare at my, my lamp, my light box for a bit so that I, you know, at least my, I'm told by my counselor, that's a good thing to let my mind think that at least the sun is there and I will, will be happy. I don't know if it quite works as well. But the church almost in this darker time of the year turns our thoughts to more difficult things, I guess you'd say. But now why is this so important? Well, because if we have in our mind only the, the image of a, you know, a God that only gives us you know, presents all the time, things that we would, would just want, well, we can come to see God as a, a bit of a, a Santa Claus kind of person, can't we? Who's just always bringing presents and happiness and cheer and, okay, it's not without merit there because God clearly in the person of Jesus Christ tells us, ask for whatever you want and it will be given to you. We just heard that the father knows all the hairs on your head. He knows everything that you need. So ask for what you want and it will be given to you. Those are good passages. We like those, don't we? You know, God will give you what you want. 
It's like a, a kid making out their Christmas list, almost. We have to hold these things in tension because sometimes the thing that we ask for isn't what we would really want if we could see things from God's perspective. Other times, this is the real mystery, the thing that we actually need and would ask for if we could see it is suffering. Now that, that's hard. How could I ever possibly need suffering? Well, take it on a smaller scale. Just, just look at athletes who obviously train to achieve some, you know, feet on the athletic field or in competition. They undergo all kinds of suffering. In a smaller scale, I know that if I want to be healthy, not only do I need to get out of my bed when it's still dark, I need to actually get out and like go for a run. That's suffering, especially for me. I don't get that endorphin thing. Everyone else is like, oh, I go running and I get endorphins. It's great. No, it's just dark and cold and I, I hurt when I'm done. No endorphins. But I like know somehow this is good for me if I do it. So we can even voluntarily take on suffering if we know it leads to some greater good, like being healthy at least. And it's in that light that today it's so important that we see that God, if he permits suffering, he only does so because it brings about some greater good. And so we have to read all of Isaiah and says, through his suffering, my servant will justify many. Why did God allow his son to suffer? Why allow the cross? Because through that, the greatest suffering that ever there was came about the greatest good. The redemption of humankind, the debt paid for our sin, the ability for us to enter life with God required that the, the great debt of sin be paid that there be suffering, and Jesus entered into that for us. That's what our second reading is about, the great high priest. That's Jesus. A priest offers sacrifice. We don't quite hear it today in the modern priesthood, but in the scriptures, if you hear priesthood, it means that's the person who's going to offer sacrifice. In the Old Testament, it was animals, goats, sheep, things like that. Jesus becomes the unique high priest in that he rather than sacrificing some other victim, some animal needs to suffer. He says, no, I will suffer. Jesus becomes our great high priest precisely by saying, I'm not afraid of suffering. I will take on the suffering of all of creation. All of creation has fallen and needs to be redeemed. Okay, don't kill a lamb. Kill me. Jesus was not afraid of suffering in light of the greater good that he saw ahead. If I suffer on behalf of all creation, all creation will be redeemed. That's the greatest example of good coming out of suffering. But brothers and sisters, we are, through our baptism, joined into that great kind of mystery, that if there is suffering, God is pleased, he permits it, to bring about something amazing. And of course, writ large, that is, through our suffering, we will be purified of our own selfishness and sin, and through the grace of God, be made fit to enter heaven. That's the, that's the big picture. But even on the little scale, if we are able to accept at least the sufferings that come each day, not fight against it, but to even say, God permits this, therefore I will 
accept it, notice what happens. We, we become more detached from ourselves. We become someone who's not merely, give me what I want, and if I don't get it, I'm going to be upset. We become accepting of God's plan. In our gospel today, we kind of see this as an example. The apostles, in this case, James and John, they've secretly come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, okay, we want you to do for us whatever we want. Now, that sounds, sounds pretty arrogant right there, except Jesus has said, ask for whatever you want. So like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna try that. Uh, Jesus, here's what we want. We wanna be in glory with you, reigning at your right and your left. We wanna be number one and number two in your kingdom. And it's almost as if they've, they've tried to get to Jesus first so that the other guys don't ask first. Like, Jesus, okay, can we reign with you at your right and your left? That's what we really want. Now notice that the other 10 become indignant, not because James and John are so arrogant, it's because they didn't think of it first. Like, you're, we want that. You're trying to get this right and left. Who are you to do that? And a, a fight breaks out. Notice that's what happens if we focus only on ourselves and how much we can get, how much power we can get, how much influence we can have, how much pleasure, how much money, whatever. If we're trying to get as much as we can for ourselves, like James and John, it results in a fight breaking out. Jesus says, notice he, he doesn't deny them their, their place in glory. He actually knows they'll have it. But it's just, it's, it's not a fight. If you want to be with Jesus forever, everybody can have that. If you want that more than anything. So notice James and John, they want the right thing, maybe not for the right reason, but when they get to ask for whatever you want, they're like, okay, what do we want? Heaven. They don't ask for earthly power. They don't ask to you know, get more of the earth stuff, more money. They're like, no, in heaven. So right away, let's see that that's good. They're not thinking about this world because they already know this all passes away. Anything I could ask for to have more of in this world, it's all gonna end. Even if, even if I want more health, more life, it all, it all ends. So they want heaven, that's good. They just have this view that somehow, like an earthly court, there's only so many people that can be close to Jesus. It's not the way it is in Jesus's kingdom. And so he tells them plainly, okay, you, you wanna be at my right, left in heaven, fine. You, you follow me, you're, you're gonna get all that and more, but you can't fight about it. In my kingdom, the one who is the least is actually the, the greatest. You wanna, you wanna get to heaven, you wanna be near me, become the servant of all, accept the little sufferings that will come and even desire to take them on. That's what a servant does, to take the lowest place, to say, here, let me do that for you. Let me help you with that. It says, I'm not the important one here. I will give myself. And that is the ultimate example we see in our great high priest, Jesus Christ, who not only said, here, let me do that, he took on all of our suffering. And so if we're faced, brothers and sisters, in our days with suffering, I think it's so good that we keep these kind of readings this week in mind, because it's not in the scriptures all just, you know, ask for what you want and you're going to be given presents. It is true. We have a father who loves us passionately, 
Jesus Christ became like us in everything so that he knows our weaknesses, the letter to the Hebrews tells us. All true, but not without a price. Suffering will come. The question is, what do we do with it? If we have in our minds a gospel that says merely prosperity, health, wealth, pleasure to anyone who follows Jesus, then we will be shocked when suffering comes, as it surely will, and we will fall away and lose the faith. But if we have a true understanding of this life and what it means to be in the love of God our Father, then when suffering comes, we don't have to like it. It's not like great suffering, you know. St. Rose of Lima was one of those people that said like, oh, suffering, it's so great. If we understood how great suffering it is, we would ask God for more of suffering. I don't like Rose of Lima very much. Not one of my favorite saints, because I'm not, I'm not there. Uh, we don't have to like suffering. But when it comes, if we have the right understanding, we'll be at peace to be able to say, oh, there it is. There's suffering. Okay. God, in your providence, I accept this. You were pleased. You've permitted this suffering. So I don't have to like it, but I'll accept it, knowing that somehow with you, God, greater glory always comes from suffering. You want the highest glory in heaven, become the slave of all. So somehow, if we embrace the suffering that God permits, it all works out for the best. That is a great mystery, but that's the truth. The truth is not wealth and prosperity gospel. The truth is, if you follow Jesus, you will have to die. That's all this language about baptism. Can you be baptized with the baptism? I'll be baptized. Can you drink my cup? That's all suffering language. A chalice of suffering, a baptism, which means death. Can you do that? The apostles say they can, and, and they do. They lay down their life for Jesus. They die for him. If we can accept that in our life, then we have the secret that suffering is not an end. It's not even something to be fled from and, and rejected. We could even embrace it, knowing that God sometimes does his best work through suffering. See, my servant shall justify many. Today, let us do our part to be like Jesus, who suffered for us. Can we accept what God gives us and so enter into glory with him?